Welcome to Behind the Tools. Here's Tradeify CEO and your host, Michael Steckler. Hi everyone, welcome to the Behind the Tools um, podcast with me, Michael Steckler from Tradeify. Um, this week we've been speaking to predominantly uh, tradespeople, tradies who have been on the tools running their business um, across the world. And this week we've got an accountant. Um, you're an accountant by trade, right, Bryn? Um, I am. Yeah, I am. Yeah, accountant. yeah. So we um, have Bryn Harwood from Tradies Accountant, uh, who's based uh, in Kangaroo Point, which is the nice place that I think is opposite Brisbane, if I'm not correct, uh, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Should I say? Yeah, it's the 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 big locations are Story Bridge Hotel. If you know the Story Bridge yeah. Hotel, we're just opposite that. Great. Okay. Cool. So um, maybe to start, Bryn, do you want to give us a quick overview about? kind of how you set up Traders Accountant and why you set up Traders Accountant? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so about five years ago, um, you know, we set up Traders Accountant um, roughly. And we did that because we owned, well, previously I had another accounting firm and I wanted to specialise in the trade space. So just thought that we could add more value to clients by understanding the industry really, really well. Um, so, yeah, and then through setting that up over five years ago, now we're probably up to about 20 people um, in the company um, over the whole company. Obviously we have some different offices offshore as well. Um, and yeah, really been um, providing a lot of advice to trade business owners that are growing their company. So, you know, really a lot of the clients we deal with might start off, you know, turning over, you know, $400,000, so to speak, you know, just one or two men uh, and they move up to kind of, you know, having five or six vans or seven vans and, you know, turning over two, $3 million. And then they have all those challenges that you have along the journey. And that's where we really help. Yeah, great. And um, just to clarify, uh, if those that hadn't worked out that Kangaroo Point is in Australia, um, because we have listeners all over the world. So that I didn't, I wasn't clear on that potentially, but they probably have heard of Brisbane at least. Anyway, cool. So, um, and, and Bryn, what was the, where did you see the problem? I mean, you started the business to help those companies you just described who are going through that growth phase and need some help was there a catalyst was there a was there a company that you were working with or a person you knew that made you think actually this is a big opportunity we should go and help this this group um yeah kind of i mean i worked with a few different trade business owners and saw the challenges there and kind of realized that it is quite specialized so yeah you know and probably the stuff you talk about or some of the main things there like job costing that became specifically important when you were scaling your business up if you're a trade business owner now if you're an accountant and you have you know 50 different industries on your books you're never really going to understand all the nuances of how contractors work specifically so yeah. you know being able to specialize in that space meant that we could add a lot more value to the clients by giving them advice that was going to help them grow their business as opposed to just doing their tax returns at the end of the year and giving a little bit of, you know, formal or informal advice off the back of historical tax returns. Yeah, and why do, so with that in mind, why do most um, of your customers sign up with you? What's the, what's usually the biggest pain point they're experiencing that makes them feel they need, it, need an accountant? And, and do they usually have one in place already? Yeah, generally, um, a lot of clients will come to us um, because they've probably been with one accountant that's just done their tax returns and, and just done that every year and some compliance around that. Um, yeah. But what yeah. happens is as uh, when you, when you, I guess when you're running a small business, you just got an apprentice with you. It's pretty easy to job cost, pretty easy to understand your costings and there's not a lot to manage. There's not a lot of stuff. So it's, you know, you can just do your tax return at the end of the year, but as you start to hire people and, and now you've got, if you're an electrician, just as an example, you might have now eight electricians that are working for you. 
um, and you realize the systems that you had at the start aren't, aren't going to work for you. And that's when a lot of people start to look out on, well, I need some more advice around this business. How do I grow it? How do I, how do I manage these people? How do I manage all my costs? Um, and that's where really we come into it because we can then provide them advice on, you know, systems they should be looking at, processes they should have, margins, how they should be tracking their margins, you know, those types of things. Yeah, and the threshold you talked about, you talked about sort of um, in an Australia context, you talked about number of vans, but you also mentioned sort of $400,000 up to then when they're sort of hitting that one to two million. Is there, a, is there a turnover amount that you think there's a sweet spot where people need more help from an accountancy perspective? Yeah, I've always kind of thought, you know, it's around that million dollar mark is generally where they, they, if they haven't invested in their accounting and their bookkeeping or their internal processes, that's when they're generally going to need to come to some type of external advisor. So yeah. whether that's, you know, they go to a coach or they go to a system specialist or they go to a, a, a more specialised accountant, I've, I've always thought that's about the number. Um, in saying that, it's really hard in the trade space because you could be turning over 400,000 Australian, just for anyone's in Australia, um, but you could land a $1 million contract on a commercial job, yeah. you know, yeah. so your, your revenue can exponentially grow um, in, in trade faster than most other industries. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so in saying that, you know, one of the, one of the things I've always, I've always sort of advised people is always to plan two, three years ahead. So, you shouldn't, if you're turning over 300 now, you shouldn't necessarily be um, saying, I'm, you know, going to do that. I'm kind of, well, if I am doing 4 million in the future, what are the things I need to do now to get me to that point, if that makes sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. And do you see a common, uh, you know, it's interesting, you've worked with lots of these businesses now and, and businesses that have come to you for help. Is there a common mistake that, that tradies are making in Australia that you see um, or something you usually have to clean up or help with from the sort of from the get-go? Yeah, there's probably a few a few things people fundamentally do wrong. I guess one, you know, pull too much money out of the company before they've earned it, or spend yeah. your money before they've earned it. So we see that happening a bit. Like you get a big contract and there's a lot of profit in it, you think. So you start pulling money out of the company for personal reasons. Um, not investing in, in the company in certain areas, like not investing in your systems, looking for the cheapest alternative. So, you know, some people when they come to us or when they come to a system selection, the the motivation for why they're doing it that will drive by price a lot right. so how much is this going to cost um where you know a lot of the time it should be driven by you know what value is this going to add or is this going to help me achieve the goals that i'm trying to achieve so yeah. i mean yeah. they're, they're two you know common mistakes obviously there'd be a lot more but they're two that i see a lot and the first one is you mean someone signed up a reasonable size commercial contract or something and then they've kind of spent some money on something personally because they're looking forward to getting that money which they might not receive for six months is that the general yeah, gist of what yeah. you were saying yeah it is like you know you could get a couple of progress claims in the door and, and then yeah. all of a sudden you've got this money and you know now you think oh we'll go and buy that brand new Range Rover or we'll go and you know we can we can afford now to you know spend here and there but you know it, it only comes to one one claim not being accepted by a builder and then the builder's challenging you and then you know all of a sudden you go from kind of hero to zero really fast so to yeah, speak yeah. So, and then are they coming? Are they coming to you in those instances to say, like, you know, I've got a cash flow problem. Can you help me resolve this? Is that usually the the pain point? Yeah, I mean, that's you know another one that drives the decision a lot can be cash flow. So a lot of people will come in and say, Hey, I've got bad cash flow. How do I fix it? And um, you know, generally, a lot of people are trying to you know manage cash flow, cash flow management, or all these other tools. Um, but the reality is, when you have a cash flow challenge, you want to kind of 
rewind back and look at the profitability on jobs. So yes, yeah. yeah. Generally, from my experience, most cash flow issues are driven by the fact that they're not tracking their job profitability properly. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's probably one of the major issues is you know not not tracking the guys. Once you've got ten guys working. Um, if they're out there and you're not tracking all of the material costs and all of the labor costs, um, you can quite easily be losing money on jobs and you just don't know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, that's a, that's a, I mean, it's a pain point we try and help with, but it's a common, that seems to be a common complaint. And one of the, one of the big things I've heard more recently, and this is sort of, I guess, a question that has two parts. You know, COVID, uh, unfortunately, has had a huge, huge impact across the board. And I don't think the trades have been in, in, entirely, um, had relief entirely from that uh, across the board. There's obviously been some upside in terms of the amount of renovations and stuff that's happened in that period. How did you view that? What's the impact you saw with the, the customers and the, the trades that you've worked with? Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, and this is, you know, just on an Australia basis, but we were quite quite blessed in some respects that, you know, the trade industry kept kept going through, um, you know, bar the lockdown in Melbourne, the second lockdown in Melbourne, where things started to come to a halt there. But, you know, the trade businesses seem to be doing more and more work um, than ever. Um, so, you know, we didn't find that there was a major kind of hurdle there. And obviously the government, you know, gave a lot of money out through JobKeeper and other stimulus packages. So there's a lot of yeah, money that went yeah. through the economy. Um, but I guess, um, you know, where it's probably the, the bigger challenge that we've probably faced is a supply side issue at the moment yeah. where, yeah. you know, people can't get materials or the material prices have gone up. Um, and people um, in Australia, in particular, labour is becoming a big problem. Obviously, um, you know, yeah. our borders are stuck here in Australia. So, um, you know, you just can't get enough quality workers um, to do the work without immigration, I think. So, you know, that those are the probably the two big challenges that we've seen on the back end of COVID, I guess. Yeah, that was the second part of my question was in relation to supplies. That, that definitely seems to be, I think there is definitely a workforce issue in terms of just being able to, um, lots of, Tradies have got more work than they can cope with, but they haven't got the people to do the work. That's definitely an issue that we're, we're seeing across the world, actually. And the second one is around supplies. Do you have any advice on the supplies one? I mean, I've seen people that are doing, you know, part invoicing and, and all sorts of, because they're ordering supplies a lot earlier than they might have done historically. Have you sort of seen any things that your customers are doing that to solve for that, that issue? Yeah, I mean, the supply side issue, you know, really... It's quite challenging, I guess you'd say, because in some instances, there's not much you can do. Like if you're a builder and you're in right. 14 crates and you get three crates to do frames, I mean, it's going to be pretty challenging. It's not, um, I know that, you know, here um, with some of the contracts, I'm seeing people enter into contracts with clients with provisional sums for a lot of the amounts, as opposed to doing the fixed price, you fix it all in, they're, they're, they're making more provisional sums on the contracts. Right. Um, so I guess that 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 means you can still keep um, the margin that you were hoping to get off off the actual overall build. Um, you know, on a contractor perspective, um, you know, um, those materials. I guess most of those material costs are getting passed on generally down down the line to the builder. So, you know, it is it is definitely a big issue, and it's kind of ironic that you know previous to COVID, you probably had this scenario where people were looking for more work didn't have enough work. Um, and then all of a sudden people have got so much work that they can't actually do it all. And then you've got a supply side issue. So, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then another question, you know, for those people that are on this podcast listening and sort of maybe haven't got an accountant, do you need an accountant? Now, the reason I, I don't mean that, <laughs> that's a funny question to ask you, but if you're under that sort of $400,000, 
we talked about, you know, what would your advice be to those people that maybe, you know, maybe those sole traders uh, or just a couple of people companies, like what's your advice in terms of how to think about, you know, having an accountant? Yeah, look, and that, that this is where I'd say with your planning, it should always be start with an end in mind. So, yeah. you know, if you're if you're small and you're planning on just, you know, being a sole trader and maybe having an apprentice, you know, and you're happy doing that, you want to make however much you make off that and that's happy for you, then you probably only need that accountant to do your tax and compliance. You might not need anything else. So that, that might yeah. work really well for you. Um, if on the other hand, you're, you know, you've just come out, you really want to put some runs on the board, you want to grow a business and you want to turn this into something bigger, uh, my advice would be invest in accounting earlier rather than waiting until you hit all these challenges. Because, you know, two, two things is, you know, once it becomes a mess, it's a lot harder to, to fix it. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to make a system change, once you've got a lot of people on the tool, that's a massive business disruption, massive change. Um, that's that's going to end up costing you more. Um, so, you know, if you invest in that at the start and even almost over-invest, then you can just almost scale your business straight through it because all your systems are set up, your accounting's done, you know that you can grow to 15 people, 20 people, 30 people without having to make these massive business changes. And, you know, I think that, that and that all stems from starting with an end in mind, I think. You want to plan your business out, where you want it to go to, what you want it to get, and then have the other things aligned to that on the journey. And are there things, you know, before before maybe finding a sort of a full-time accountant, are there things you would recommend that trades businesses do first? Um, you know, is there like a hygiene list that you tend to recommend for someone if you had a friend who was doing this and they're on their own that they should have? Um, I had a um, like the 10 financial mistakes um, business owners or trade business owners make yeah. on our website, just tradersaccountant.com. Um, but, you know, apart from that, I guess I don't have a checklist so, so to speak, but I would say, you know, that start with the end in mind would be my checklist, like sit down with an advisor or a mentor or somebody that's been there before and done it and start to really make that plan out, as I say, and then you off the back of that, you'll be able to figure out what, what people you're going to need on your team. Because I've yeah. always found your accountant should be part of your team, your external team or your internal team. And, you know, same as lawyer, same as bank manager, same as, um, you know, consultant slash coach, um, those are um, all positions that should be on your team. Yeah. And then sort of, you know, bearing in mind, so for the rest of the world, sort of end of financial year is fast approaching in Australia. Um, financial year finishes at the end of June here. Um, what do you think most, anyone that's listening to this that's sort of thinking about their end of year tax returns uh, and everything else that goes with that in Australia, any advice on the big things they should, the big lookouts and things they should do? Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I would say to clients, and you know, this is probably, yeah, probably, probably worldwide, but you know, in Australia specifically, is a lot of people focus on, you know, how how do I, how would I minimise my tax? Now, you know, I think that your focus should always be driven by how do I build my wealth? How do I make more money? How do I, you know, um, create a portfolio, whether a business portfolio, a personal portfolio? So, you know, concentrate on building wealth and having money in the bank first, as opposed to getting tax down. Now, I'm caveating that by saying, you know, you do want to get taxed down. Obviously, that's part of um, what you do, but it should be strategically done. So you shouldn't be getting to 30 June thinking, oh, I'm just going to go and spend this money on tools and tax deductions and other things like that or vehicles. Um, when you haven't thought about, does that align with my wealth, with my right. wealth problems, you know? So if generally, if you're paying money in tax, you're making profit. And, you know, that should be what you're trying to achieve is making profit. 
Um, then on the back end of that, look at, you know, what do we need to do? How can we legally get our tax down? Are we structured correctly? You know, what, what, what should we, what, what things should we do now that we can claim to so we pay, legally pay the least amount of tax possible in the corporate structure? Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it yeah. does make sense. I think there's, um, you know, the regulations are slightly different, different here. Are there, are there things that you think all trades businesses should be doing though as part of that process? You talked about claiming for tools and, and things like that. Are there a few watch outs if someone's new to this, just set their business up and, and looking at that they should be aware of or make sure they're planned for? Yeah, I mean, I think like looking at what items you're going to need over the next six six months or so. Yeah. Um, and if any of those you're going to need in kind of, for us, the tax, tax time ends in June. So, you know, if you're going to need something in July, August or September, it may make sense to bring forward those expenses so you can claim them at 30 June. Um, yeah. Another thing we have here, I think, um, I'm not sure about New Zealand and England, but um, is superannuation. So, you know, a lot of the times people might make extra contributions into super so that they can claim, um, claim that on tax. Obviously, this is all general kind of stuff. There's no specific advice in this, but these yeah. are the types of things you should talk to your accountant about, um, you know, just to see if it's going to be applicable to your situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I was going to sort of go back to, you know, our discussion we had around sort of people that maybe have made the common mistakes you see. What are the things that you see good trades businesses doing well? The ones that have got it right, you know, doing a really good job of running their business efficiently. Um, obviously, apart from hiring a great accountant and doing all those things, what else are they doing that you commonly see in those businesses that, that other people could learn from? Yeah, no, 100%. That's a great question. Um, I think that, um, and I've mentioned it a few times, starting with the end in mind, um, a lot of people that do well have a strategic plan and then they, off the plan, they have KPIs that build off that and it's all about execution. So they execute yeah. off the back end of the plan. Um, and I think, you know, the most successful business owners I work with have, have discipline, you know, like they are very disciplined. So some things can get monotonous in business, like meetings, like, you know, um, doing certain things that you don't always, it's not really... A, exciting so to speak but having the yeah. discipline to make sure that you're always executing off the back end of the strategy so you know that's what i feel that successful yeah. business owners do i think ones that aren't as successful you know don't have much discipline disorganized unstructured um don't really have a grasp of what's going on not job costing um you know all of those things are things that i see when people start struggling yeah is that often when they're calling you in at that point, usually when things are starting to sort of fall over from a definitely, I think from a cash flow perspective, that seems to be where the issues are. Yeah, at times, yeah, they're, they're the ones that come and it's about kind of educating on how to get some of those things in place. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes, like I said, in the trade industry, it's not easy because, you know, your revenue could go from 500,000 to 5 million in eight months. So, and running a business doing 500,000 as opposed to 5 million is a totally different totally yep. different process. So there's skill sets that, you know, you have to learn and you have to work on, you know, like yep. anything else. And where are you, you know, as a business, you know, I presume you've, you've grown healthily. Uh, I think especially you mentioned earlier to me before we jumped on the, on the podcast that um, COVID's made it easier for people to accept that they can work with anyone anywhere. It doesn't matter which, you know, state you're in and all those, all those types of things. Where are you seeing the growth though, in terms of your customers? Is there a particular sector that you're seeing more growth than others? Um, yeah, that's that's a hard one because pretty much at the moment all trades seem to be you know yeah right. like it doesn't seem to be yeah and I'm you know with, with Australia in particular we have 
a massive amount that we generally spend on going overseas and travel and everything like that. That's been yeah. stopped at the moment, um, apart from the New Zealand bubble, which is just open, but predominantly it's been stopped. So a lot of those people are spending money on renovations, new builds, housing. So the housing market's really kind of taking off. So, you know, most trade business owners have got a lot of work on it, on at the moment, um, from builders to plumbers to pretty much all the trades. Um, so, you know, there's not really one industry that shines out of, um, amongst the other ones at the moment. I don't know if that answered the question, but yeah, everybody seems to be very, it very seems busy. to be across the board. And I guess it, for you, it's more yeah. of a company size thing, right? It's already more of those businesses that are either graduating, already reached that threshold of, you know, several employees and lots of vans and a certain certain amount of revenue that's starting to come through. So yeah, that, that makes sense. And then, you know, we're finishing this financial year in 28 days, I think if I'm getting that right, um, from, from today. Yeah, we're about, about to start the new year. Well, 28 days, uh, if you're somewhere else in the world, it's probably 29 days, so I think we're ahead. But, you know, at the end of that financial year, any advice as you enter the new financial year for things that trades businesses should do first or should prioritize as they start that new year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, doing some strategic planning should be, you know, what you should be looking at, you know, at least map out your next kind of 12 months. Doesn't have to be too in-depth, whether that's with a mentor or an accountant or somebody like that and kind of, you know, look at what you want to achieve in 12 months, maybe even three years. Um, and then you can start off the back end of that. You can start to snip that down to smaller short-term goals. So I think doing some strategic planning, as I said before, the people I think that do better have a medium term to long term goals, because um, once you do that, then you know if you can um, if you can just execute off the back of strategy, it actually takes a lot of distraction away from your day to day running of the business, um, because you kind of know what the overall strategy is. But it's when you're making things up as you go along that's when I think you can get in trouble. So you know I, I, I'd be advising people to look down and try and really map the next twelve months out on how that looks. Um, and if you have, you know, supply side issues, you know, yeah. start to start to look at that. If you have labor issues, start to look at that and say, what is the business that you want to run? Um, and it might be that you can only have eight people because you, can, you can't hire any more people. So how do you maximize on the eight people you have? How do you get your margins where you want them? Um, yeah. You know, things like that, because then you're not, you're not as reactive. You're more proactive with the way that you're attacking the business. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Great. Fantastic. This has been really, really helpful, Bryn. And I could hear your, your, your phone was dinging there while we'd be on this, which is a good sign. So because there's more of those trading companies either uh, in trouble, asking for help, or they're in the tax returns or new customers hopefully coming through. So that's um, that's cool to see. We finished. I think uh, hopefully our marketing team would have sent you some questions. They sent quite a lot. I'm not going to ask you all of these. They sent quite a long list, uh, which I think would take some time to get through. But um, the first question was, what's the craziest expense you've seen a trader try to claim uh, in the world that you're in? um probably oh for us probably boats and jet skis you know right. <laughs> like yeah <laughs> like you know i've just bought this new boat you know can i advertise if i put banners on it and stuff like that you know um yeah that that's generally pretty crazy that's I guess. okay yeah all right um one of the other one was you know this is what i guess this one is a, a is is probably a, a good warning sign for anyone listening around getting this stuff right is what's the worst penalty uh you've ever seen um yeah. For, for a and trade company you've worked work with that hasn't maybe done done things the right way. Yeah, and this one could be Australia, um, Australia kind of only, but with superannuation, it's a massive thing um, here at the moment. So, you know, failing to pay super can right. give you some penalties. 
Um, and, you know, I've seen penalties in excess of $100,000, like just the penalty, not the actual amount that you have to pay, which, you know, generally if you can't pay your super and then you've got this massive penalty, it's almost it's almost like a, a bullet to the business, so to speak, because, you, yeah. you know, you're not really going to be able to fix it from there. So, yeah. Yeah, it's worth definitely worth getting these things right. Um, and is there, is there any, you know, sort of tied to that question, are there any big things that most tradies and tradespeople that you work with aren't aware of related to tax? Any common thing that you just is tends to be a surprise to people? Oh, uh, I just think, you know, if um, well, with your statutory obligations, it's just really the reporting part of it. Always report, report everything, and then on the back end, you know, you yeah. can um, you can figure right. out a way around that. But I think the the ones that um, getting aren't aware of they they get into trouble, um, and then I think if it's in England, they're lodging VAT or Australia GST, but they get into trouble. Yeah. And they don't lodge. So they just go, oh, I can't afford the next one. I just won't lodge it. And then they end up with, you know, lots of yeah. non-lodgements. And all that will literally do is cost you more money because I'll fine you for it. So yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Speak to your accountant, get it lodged, and then figure out how you're going to pay it after you've lodged it. But just lodge everything. So that way you're yeah. in compliance, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's good advice. And then, you know, if you weren't an accountant um, and you were going to pick a trade, uh, you're working with lots of tradies, is there one, do you turn your hand? Is there anything you would, you would pick? I definitely wouldn't pick concreting because I don't like getting up too early in the morning and getting up at 3 or 4 a.m. doesn't really suit my lifestyle, that's for sure. So I'd, pro I'd probably more so go in, um, in terms of um, building, you know, being a builder. That'd probably, yeah. be, um, that'd probably be the better trade for myself. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, yeah, how would you rate your DIY skills? So it's a question I don't, don't usually ask any of the our trading people because they would, uh, I'd imagine it'd be quite high. But yeah, for you, you personally. Oh, look, I um, I've done I did, I did a bit of work around the house, and I will generally get on kind of YouTube and look up how to do things. Um, but to answer the question, I'd be below five. I, I, I'd say about three to five. I'd, I'd sit. Um, yeah, yeah, good. Well, Bryn, you shouldn't be getting on, you shouldn't be getting on YouTube. You should be bringing up your local uh, tradie to come and help you do that work. <laughs> Oh, anyway, I do that as well. Yeah, yeah, it's the small things. No, fair enough. And then favorite, uh, we usually ask um, our customers their sort of favorite on-site lunch. Do you have a, a preference? Oh yeah, fair few. I like um, Guzman Gomez. I think that's probably you know going everywhere around the world at the moment. So Guzman Gomez do a kind of Mexican kind of nachos, burritos, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's not a. That's more at the office lunch where Uber Eats or something will bring it over and yeah, bring it over to you. Yeah. Kind of getting some nachos. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And then you know, last couple of questions. We talked about COVID. Um, or it looks like there are sporting events now starting to happen in Australia. Uh, which, which is good to see. And hopefully that will continue with sort of vaccine rollouts and all the rest of it. What would be your first kind of big event, musical sport that you would you would go to if you could? Oh, look, I reckon uh, the Bledisloe Cup would be a big one, although, you know, it's pretty depressing when you're an Australian watching it at times. Um, <laughs> State of Origin is another one that we've got coming up here, which is always a really, yeah. big, a really big one as well. So, you know, those really those, those football kind of things is what I, I follow yeah. the most. Yeah, cool. Good stuff. All right. And then last question, you know, we're trying to part of the intention of this podcast is to sort of inform and hopefully help people think differently about how they run their kind of trades business. Um, that's why we were really keen to have an accountant on board. So thanks for joining. It's been really, really helpful and hopefully giving some practical advice to people. Are there other people you think we should speak to that you you come up against either tradies or people related to the trade business that you think we should speak to on the podcast? We ask all of our guests this. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, um, one of the areas I think is legal, like obviously I'm an accountant, so we we, we help yeah. um, business grow, but uh, um, having a, a construction lawyer, um, you know, being able to go over things with contracts and stuff like that, I don't know how applicable that would be worldwide, but, you know, a lot of tra- a lot of trade business owners struggle with understanding contracts, how they work, you know, yeah. and the processes they need to follow. And um, if you're working with um, bigger builders or if you're working, you know, um, in that space, you really need to understand where you're liable, how the contracts work, um, because that can be the difference between, you know, profitability or going broke, you know, essentially. Right. So, yeah, yeah good yeah. construction lawyer would be my advice. Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard that before, actually. I think you mentioned something earlier about um, I had someone on here. Uh, who's down in Dunedin um, and he was talking about his business network like local business networks and that's actually how he identified the lawyer accountant actually I think he bought his fleet of trucks from the local car dealer who was also at that business network uh, which I think is really powerful so it's definitely something worth worth thinking about great good advice yeah. cool yeah well Bryn look I really appreciate it um, thanks very much for joining I think it's great to get the uh, accountant perspective especially in Australia for this time of year Uh, It's important. And that was a really insightful conversation. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, no, you're welcome. And as always, uh, all of our listeners, if you could give us the uh, five star reviews, if you're listening on Apple and and elsewhere and, and tell your friends about it, that would be great. And speak to you next time. Cheers. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Behind the Tools is brought to you by Tradeify, job management software for your trade business. If you enjoyed the podcast, let us know by leaving a review. And be sure to tell your mates about it. Email behindthetools at tradifyhq.com if you or someone you know would be keen to join.